This is your gateway to the latest trends in the Gulf, bringing you exclusive insights and thought-provoking discussions. Welcome to AB Majlis, an Arabian business podcast. You can find our weekly episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for more exclusive content, subscribe to us on arabianbusiness.com. Welcome back to AB Majlis. I'm your host for today. My name is Tala Michelle Issa. I'm a senior reporter at Arabian Business. Today, our episode will focus on the psychology of debt and why people procrastinate debt repayments, the risks associated with debt accumulation and how to regain control of your finances. In the Arabian Business Studio with me today is Carol Glynn, an accountant turned finance coach and mentor. She helps her clients with money management, helping them remove the fear, anxiety, and overwhelm associated with it, and to regain control of their finances. And she is a real advocate for financial freedom. Welcome to the studio, Carol. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We brought you in today to talk about something I think that's a pressing issue in Dubai for many people, probably elsewhere as well, but in this context, Dubai. So firstly, maybe let's kick off the discussion by talking about some of the typical mindset pitfalls that people often fall into that kind of leads them into curing debt. Yeah, there's many reasons why people find themselves in debt. I think that not facing up to it is is the number one thing where it spirals. But before they even get to that point, it's not facing up to their finances, not being realistic about their cost of living and what they can actually do with their money, mm-hmm. not taking charge of their money and just spending and hoping for the best, spending unconsciously. So we do so much of that and we don't even realize, you know, how it adds up. Yeah. So in my experience, the vast majority of people I work with, it's accidental. You know, it's not being deliberately careless or buying crazy things that they consciously know they can't afford. Mm -hmm. It creeps, it escalates over time. And then they find themselves in a place where they're like, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you help people like deal with especially procrastination of repayment? Mm. There's so much shame and anxiety associated with debt. And whether it is something that they consciously did and made a big purchase or had a lifestyle that was well beyond their means, and then they decide, actually, this Mm -hmm. can't go on. Or it was like an emergency that came up that forced them into it or through COVID redundancies, you know, or suddenly people's salaries were either cut or just removed completely. There's still, there's equal amount of shame associated with it. So the first thing I do is really helping them work through that to feel it's okay to face this. And it's not only okay, it's really, really important. Essentially holding their hand through figuring out What is the reality here? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people will come to me and say, I know it's bad. I know I have debt, but I can't look at it. I honestly can't tell you how much I can guess, but I don't know for sure. So there's a real lack of clarity. Mm -hmm. And that is the first thing that we actually do in that safe space of this is no shaming, blaming, no should haves, could have, would haves. Just where do we stand right now? Let's get clarity on why and how and what is actually happening And then we can make a plan to move Mm -hmm. forward because there's always a way out. Definitely. They always say the only way out is through. So you just have to deal with it, right? Exactly. Um, So what kind of steps can people take to reverse this pattern? Mm. The Um, first thing is to face up to it. mm -hmm. Look at your credit card statement. It tends to be in this region, credit cards are the number one cause of consumer debt worldwide, but absolutely in this region as well. They are a major cause of debt, consumer debt especially, which is just lifestyle and things. So the first thing is to look at it. 
face mm-hmm. up to it. Open that credit card bill and, you know, <laughs> look yourself in the mirror and say, this is the reality. Yeah. And now I'm going to do something about it. Be brave. And it's a very vulnerable space. I think we underestimate that sometimes. And then make a plan. But actually, before you can even make that plan, you need to look at your lifestyle. You need to look at what you're earning and what you're spending and do it not based on estimates. Most people will come to me and say, well, I know my rent is this. I spend this on groceries. My diwa is so much, you know, but I still don't understand where my money goes. You know, it just seems to fall through my fingers because we can't run spreadsheets in our brains. We need to look at it on paper. Mm -hmm. We need to put in that work and it would be to take out your credit card, take out your current account, however it is you spend your money and actually look back based on actuals, not estimates, not guesses. What did I spend my money on? Yeah. And there's there's so much power in that exercise. You learn so much, not only about your money, but about yourself, how you're living your life. Yeah. And then that will tell you where maybe you're hemorrhaging money, where you're overspending, spending in areas you kind of didn't even realize. It'll help you identify areas that maybe you can cut back yeah. and spend less mm-hmm. if you need to. And with that knowledge, then you can make a plan. Yeah. So this is my debt. This is what it cost me to live. This is what I now want to do. And you can make a tangible plan that's not just an estimate. Because a lot of people will say, I do budgets all the time, but they never work out. Yeah. I don't know why. Because they're based on the knowledge that's in our heads, not mm-hmm. what's on paper. Okay, fair enough. I've seen like lots of these apps uh, come up in the last couple of years where you can start budgeting. Yeah. But I feel as a consumer, personally for me, Whenever I've decided, okay, uh, today I'm going to sit down, I'm going to start budgeting for the first time in my life. I download this app and I'm like, oh, wow, this looks great. And then as soon as I start filling it out, I'm like, okay, this, of course, I start to notice patterns, right? Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I just spent two hours putting in my expenses for the last month or two or three. Uh, Am I going to continue doing this? And then I end up like having all these apps that I end up deleting. So I feel like it's very difficult to get into this habit. So Mm. what advice would you give to a consumer like me or like some of our listeners? What would you say to them? Keep it simple. Mm -hmm. You know, I regularly get asked, can you recommend an app? How should I do this? Because it's time consuming, it's boring, or I do it and I spend hours, then what? What do I do with the information? I would say the number one thing is keep it simple, keep it low on time. And just really it's about clarity. When I work with my clients, I just use a Google sheet, like an Excel. And my recommendation is once a month, sit down. So I have a reminder on the first Friday morning and the first Sunday morning of the calendar month. And I have two because sometimes Fridays get busy with work. So then I move it to Sunday morning. So, (laughs) you know, there's no getting out of it. If I don't do it Friday, (laughs) I'm going to be reminded on Sunday to sit down. And it's my financial self-care to sit down for an hour and actually invest the time to update my sheets Mm -hmm. and do that. It's very basic. It doesn't have lots of lovely charts and things like that. And (laughs) colors and coding and and formulas. It just is, what did I spend? And then I look and I go, am I happy with that? Was there any surprises? Is there anything I need to learn for my next month and for my budget or my cash flow plan, as I call it? And I do it with that mindset of this is not shaming or or criticizing. It's information and it's minimal amount of time, super simple, move on with my life. That's what I would say, because we can get caught in the detail and the nice charts, but then we don't do anything with it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what tends to happen. I mean, I can tell you from my own experience. (laughs) (laughs) You're not alone. You're not alone. (laughs) Yeah, like yesterday I was talking to some colleagues. I told them I need to get more organized. How can I organize myself? And oh, you know, there's this 
app you can download and it's color coded and everything. And I, yeah. I fell for it. I don't know. Let's see how long that lasts. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so bringing it back to debt, I wanted to talk about the Dubai standard lifestyle. When I first moved back here after university, someone told me Dubai can kind of, he said, don't fall for the wealth trap. Yeah. I didn't quite understand it until later on. Personally, for me, I don't have credit. I've never believed in credit. I've also been criticized for that. So I'm going to ask you about that as well. But for now, let's talk about the standard of living. What advice would you give people who are like, you know, for lack of a better word, victims of this mentality? Yeah. That they have to keep up this, this Keeping up with the Joneses. It's keeping up with the Joneses. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And that is a real risk here because we are exposed to so much wealth and Mm -hmm. it is accessible for a lot of people. But it is about, again, it's about being realistic, you know, and facing up to your own reality. What am I earning and what do I want to do with that money? And how I help clients work through this is bringing it back to your value system, aligning your money with your values. And then you're much less likely to be susceptible to the marketing, to the the shoulds, to the what you see around you. When you are true to yourself in that I'm using my money to do. And that's important to me because. So it could be I'm not going to whatever it might be, buy the handbags, have the shoes, go for the brunches, buy the big house, have the yeah. nice car, go on all the first class travel, whatever that you're surrounded by. Because actually, when I think about it and bring it back to me and what I'm trying to achieve, that's not important to me. What's important to me is being able to retire at 50. Mm-hmm. So I'd much rather save money and work towards that goal or to, it could be even to pay off my debt. I'm going yeah. to rein in because I want to feel debt free because then I can, but it has to be I, what I feel is important because we're bombarded with so many shoulds, you know, you yeah. should invest your money. You should buy a house. You should buy crypto. Well, have the nice car. Why not? You might die tomorrow. You know, there, there's <laughs> all of these things yeah. and they're all, as I call them, just window shopping for financial ideas. They're all have well, most of them have their merit in some light, but it's what's, what am I actually trying to achieve? And am I using my money to do that? Yeah. And that can be a real trigger to go, actually, I'm finding myself being sucked into something that's not bringing me happiness. That's not bringing me joy. And it's not getting me towards my goals. Yeah. It's much easier then to say, no, that's good for you. No judgment. You want to do that with your money, but I'm doing this with my money. Yeah. And I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. And I found that myself because I've been here 14 years, you know, and I came here and I've <laughs> built a life through that. Yeah. We're all exposed to it and we all get sucked into it at some at point. At some point, yeah, you we do. do. It's inevitable, to It's be experience. <laughs> yeah, it is inevitable. It yeah. is experience. And it's constant. No matter where you are in your life, you will get exposed to it and it is easy to get sucked in. Yeah. But it is bringing it back to, okay, well, what do I want? Is it true to me? And then it's so much easier to say, No, No, good luck to you. I'm happy for you. But me, no, I'm okay. I'm good. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you do definitely need to be more realistic sometimes. Mm. I'm not sure how much you can get into this uh, next question that I want to ask you. I wanted to talk about more of like the psychological side of things. Yeah. As a coach, maybe you might come across a lot of cases where you can identify different patterns of Mm -hmm. behavior. Are there any possible like root causes of people accumulating debt is it like a pattern you pick up in your childhood from your family like I wanted to see if there's any relation yeah in that sense our money behaviors are 
very often tied to our childhood or, or other experiences as we grow up. For example, 2008 and what happened there mm-hmm. will have impacted people when they were adults as well as, as children watching their parents go through that. Yeah. We all have our financial sometimes traumas and experiences. And it's a real, you know, again, there's no, this is what happens. Everyone's experience is totally personal to them. Yeah, of course. The language we hear about money growing up will impact how we behave with money. Our financial experience growing up and our parents' experience growing up will impact how we manage money, mm-hmm. how we behave with money. Our attitude to debt because you'll have someone who'll say, never have debt. Debt is evil. It will ruin your life. I say this every day. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. And they're very, very against it and will do everything. To, and then you know, I'm sure you've come across people who will be like, but that's crazy. You know, interest rates are low. It's like low cost money. Get the debt, buy the car with that, use the cash to do something else. And a lot of that is fed up through what they heard growing up. But with that as well, we can absorb these things in different ways. I have twins and I see them already. And I talk to my children constantly about money. Um, It's a very open conversation about the mindset, how we feel about it. All very realistic. And I have twins who are actually identical twins. So the same DNA. Wow. And they have very different money mindsets already. It's amazing. It's a a real case study for me, how they behave with money. And then they have a sister who's totally different again. It's very interesting because I think as humans, then we still, we absorb these things that we see in different ways and it manifests in different ways. But I think if you're looking at how you feel about money, do look back to that. You know, things like, it's called cliche, like what was your first experience with money? What's your first memory with money? Mm-hmm. Was there any negative? Was there any positive? Because you can have individuals who grew up very privileged and surrounded by a lot of wealth who still struggle. Yeah. You know, they feel guilty when it comes to money or they feel they'll never live up to what their parents had or they yeah. have responsibility. So we can't assume just because someone had a certain background or upbringing that their mindset will be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then we have experiences, COVID, you know, with redundancies will have impacted how people feel about money. If you had debt then and suddenly you couldn't pay it, that will change your mindset when it comes to debt the next time around. Whereas before you might've been like, it's okay, I'm safe, you know, I'm fine. So I think it's back to just awareness and really looking into your own experience and what kind of limiting beliefs you might have absorbed and that are then playing out. Because with debt as well, it can be a coping mechanism. Sometimes we end up in debt because spending helps us feel good. Yeah. You know, yeah. when things are tough, you want that adrenaline hit when... <laughs> Retail therapy. <laughs> exactly. Or when the doorbell rings and a box arrives and yeah. it's like, oh, this is amazing. And that can lead to debt. So then that's not actually, you have to go under that. See, what is driving the spending need rather than the money aspect to that? Mm-hmm. So it can be quite complex. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But bringing it back to credit yeah. versus debit. So mm-hmm. I know a lot of consumers, for example, in the U.S., they tend to spend on credit and then just use their yes. their income to just cover it every month. And a lot of people have tried to convince me personally yeah. that this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I'm so against it. So I just wanted to hear from your perspective as an expert. Yeah. Is there any benefit to spending on credit? <laughs> so I think we need to distinguish here between living payroll to payroll where I think it's like as you described, using your credit card and then you're, as soon as you get paid, the money's gone. Yeah. And then you're suddenly on credit card again versus how, and I will, uh, you'll be interested to hear maybe, my credit card is the card I use. So yes, I don't touch my debit card unless it's to take cash out. And the reason I do that is I have set up a credit card that works for me. I get points for basically for flights, for my family, that I accumulate points 
that pays for my flights home to Ireland every year for four of us. But that's not actually being on credit because the cash is there beforehand. And the reason why I don't do debit and credit is I'm not double dipping. So I have my I've my spending under control. I know exactly what I'm spending and I use it essentially like a debit card. Mm-hmm. So it's never that at the end of the month, my credit card is more than the cash that I already have. Okay. And it's purely because then... I paid off in full 100% every month. I am very conscious of my spending. It's planned and organized. Yeah, there's always surprises. We can't be 100% sure of our spending ever. You know, things crop up and opportunities as well as things um, that maybe we don't want to spend on. But it's about making sure that the money is already in the bank. So it's as, as if it's a debit card. And the reason I do that is to get the benefits from it. So it's working like an asset for me. However, Mm. I'd be very strong with this. If there's an individual who has a tendency to overspend or isn't confident in themselves that they can operate in that way, then I say, don't have a credit card. Yeah. Operate off your debit card until you can get your spending healthy, under control. Otherwise, any benefits that you will gain on that credit card, if you're doing it for a lot of people, say for points, for example, yeah. and other benefits you get with it, the interest on that card will very quickly erode any benefit that Mm -hmm. you will ever get. Especially here, interest rates are one of the highest in the world Mm -hmm. on credit cards. I was going to ask you actually, what's like a reasonable interest rate for a credit card? Well, I I actually think if you're going to use your credit card right, the interest rate doesn't matter because you're always going to pay it off Mm -hmm. on time. So interest rate doesn't come out. And that's actually something I want to touch on as well. But here, the way things are, sometimes they're 50%. Mm -hmm. But what happens is they're advertised at that divided by 12. So you might see 2.99, 3.99, 4.5%. But what you need to do is actually multiply that by 12. And that's the true interest rate because the smaller number is per month. Yeah. And I think that's a piece that people don't understand. And they think it's really cheap, but actually it's, it's extortionate. A personal loan might be now 10, 12% maybe up to 14, depending on on your situation, but that's significantly higher. So obviously the lower interest rate you can get, the better, because if there is a month that something happens and you end up not being able to pay it off, you want to minimize your risk. But I have not seen a low interest rate credit card in this region Mm -hmm. that I would think that's a reasonable amount of way to manage cash that you pay that interest. It's what I call financial quicksand. Yes. When you're not <laughs> paying really that off, yeah. yeah, it's you're going to spiral in debt very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's very interesting. I think we've covered everything I wanted to talk about today, but if you could summarize the kind of mindset people need to put themselves into when mm. they're in debt, how mm. to get out of debt, the immediate easy strategies they can employ, or people who want to avoid debt, let's say, yeah. what would they be? For all of it, be intentional with your money. Don't be afraid to face up to it. Be conscious with it. So look at where you're spending your money. It might be boring. It might be time consuming in the beginning, but it's like going to the gym for the first time. You know, we have to start somewhere. It's yeah. going to be hard, but it'll be <laughs> worth it. We'll be healthier at the end of it. It is worth it. The second thing is think about your mindset when it comes to money. Like, how do you view money? For me, money is just a tool. It's an energy to help me live the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. That's it. I control it. It doesn't control me. And when I started thinking about money that way, it kind of changed my weight towards it. You know, it was more, okay, this is something that actually I use and I get to make the decisions. And when you do that, and when you're not in debt already, it really does help prevent you going into that. Just be intentional, be aware, make a plan for your money. 
If you're already in debt, again, it happens. Vast majority of people, I think, at some point in their lives will feel like they have debt. They will have debt in their mm-hmm. lives. But be brave and face up to it. Because the longer you leave it, the worse it's going to get. That hole is just going to get bigger. And what my clients say to me is they procrastinate and procrastinated. And then they felt they needed someone to help. They come to me and we go through it. And they always say, regardless of the situation, sometimes they learn they've more debt than they realized they had. They always say, but at least now I know. Yeah. And now I have a plan. Mm-hmm. And I was stressed anyway. It's there at the back of my mind. You know, it never goes away. Every time we spend, we think of it. At least now I know when I have a plan, I actually feel less stressed, mm-hmm. even though my situation's worse than I thought. Yeah. So face up to it and make a plan. There's always a way out. And don't be afraid to ask for help. We tend to keep these things very quiet. A lot of my clients will come to me and say, no one knows I'm in this situation. Mm-hmm. I cannot share it. But seek help if you don't know where to go. There's lots of online resources. But the number one thing is just make a plan mm-hmm. and find a date at the end where by that date again it's bringing it back to your values and having that purpose yeah by this date I'm going to be debt free so between now and then I need to say no to certain things I need to change certain things but by then and make a plan for then at in 12 months or 18 months I'm going to go on a holiday or I'm going to do something for me to celebrate Mm -hmm. and I can picture what my life is going to be like without the debt and just stay razor focused on that Wow. Because we don't want to get sucked into old habits. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Carol, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on the psychology of debt. And we hope to see you back again for the next one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And thank you to all our subscribers. Sign up to ArabianBusiness.com for all exclusive content.